Hello and welcome to Let's Shoot Together, a photography podcast by me, Anna Constein from Studio Gently. I'm a newly Edinburgh-based branding photographer working with kind and creative kin across the UK. And this podcast is for gentle photographers everywhere. If you're looking to jump into brand photography or you're a fellow brand photographer looking for tips, this podcast is for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back everyone and welcome to our second interview episode, this time with the incredible brand photographer Siobhan Watts. I've been in love with Siobhan's work ever since I came across it back in, I believe, 2015. It might even be 2014 as she has a stunning, warm and nature-centric style that you will love. In this episode, we discussed film photography versus Instagram photography, how nature features in and inspires her work, motherhood and why we need wealthy women and so much more. It's a beautiful listen, so get comfortable and enjoy. Hello Siobhan, how are you? <laughs> how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm feeling very proud of us of getting through our technical struggles that fortunately... I'm so sorry. I was wondering, like, do you tell them or do I tell them what an absolute <laughs> nightmare I've been for? What is it, 25 minutes now trying to get my shit together? Oh, and I swore less than a minute in, so there you go. I I embrace it highly because it means... No, and I know that your listeners can't see, but you are looking ravishing today, Anna. I just wanted to say that. Thank you. <laughs> you don't have to repay the compliment. I am sick and I've been in the garden for two days, so please don't feel like you have to. My voice well, does not usually sound like this. <laughs> well, um, obviously I'm a dungaree fan, so I feel like that's another thing we need to document for the podcast. I've had these for about 10 years, you know, as well. I'm quite proud of that. They've got a holy knee, but I've been gardening, so... I didn't want to wear my new Lucy and Yaks, you know. Excellent. I highly approve. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So diving in for our first question. So I am really keen with every guest to hear about how they started. So I know that some of us, it's from childhood. A lot of people, it seems to be their teenage years that photography starts out as their passion. Um, so yeah, so if you could walk us through when you first start getting into photography and then up until you started your business? Yeah, it's been a long old road, <laughs> I tell you. Um, I just must apologise if I cough at any point or, you know, my voice doesn't normally sound like this, but hopefully it's like the Phoebe effect and, you know, it's all good. Yeah, to be honest, I can't really remember the point when I didn't have a camera and I, you know, didn't do photography in some way. I think, you know, my dad showed me, I remember he had this flight case that he kept, like a silver flight case he kept under his bed and it was full of all his cameras and lenses and everything. And I think he had a Nikon something or other, maybe a Canon, I don't really remember. But it was very, oh no, it was an Olympus. I lie, it was an Olympus. And I remember him showing that to me and I think I'd been given, you know, one of those kind of crappy, like, this is, you know, back in the, 90s or whatever late 80s maybe and so uh, you know the ones where you just flip the flip the front that you're probably too young Anna, aren't you you're <laughs> nodding as if you know what I'm talking about seen you've seen them. them in a museum of old relics yeah yeah it's fine it's fine it's fine I know what you're thinking yeah it was old you could like flip the front and the thing would whir on and it was just for you know a 35 millimeter film but it was about as sort of I guess as instant as you get without it being like a 
not instant, but you know, like as disposable, I guess. But it wasn't a disposable camera, but it was just a press and shoot and had a flash and stuff on it. And I remember using that, you know, classic pictures of my dog lying. I remember we lived in the countryside. I remember lying in the road and shooting up pictures of the trees. And I just, I loved it. I took it everywhere. I photographed everything. I mean, I should dig out some of the old photos and I wonder how far they go back. But I photographed, you know, every holiday we had, everything that we did. And I was there with my camera. So, which is amazing because I have so much stuff documented. Um, if I haven't, you know, chucked it away later out of sheer embarrassment of the teenage outfits and stuff you know but yeah so I, I've always had a camera always and even if I didn't consider myself a photographer and you know because like we've said I'm old, old or not old but definitely older than you you know this was pre-Instagram pre-everything the most instant we got was having like a Polaroid or something so this was the way and not everybody did it then but like I was you know the OG I did it always <laughs> just captured everything took it everywhere everywhere school trips everything and then I think there was a point at which I started to take it a bit more seriously when I basically all my friends did art and I was terrible at drawing. So photography was an in to get in to the art room. So I did art A level, but with a camera, they kind of allowed us to do it. So it was basically like a photography A level. I don't even think A levels exist anymore, do they? We did AS levels as well. I think that's not a thing anymore. Uh, I did um, them, but I did them 10 years ago. So Yeah, okay. I'm not going to do the maths on how many years ago I did my A levels. It was a very long time ago. Um, yeah, so I did, I think it was AS level for photography, but it was AS level art and I used the camera. So it was less about photography. We got taught how to use the darkroom, but it was less about photography and more about the art syllabus. So I got to hang out in the art studio with all my mates and spend, you know, long afternoons in the darkroom, listening to music, developing photos. It was just utter, utter heaven. And it was my in to, to kind of being with the, the arty ones when I couldn't draw or paint. And I was just absolutely hooked. I couldn't believe it. I'd been in a science lab. I was really into science still am but then was really thought I was going to go study science well I did go study science but anyway yeah so that was my in and I just couldn't believe that people had been spending their time in such a cool place as like the art department and I just wanted to be there forever really so I never really looked back by the time I went to uni I went to study zoology and um, I got the keys to the darkroom and just spent most of my life in there like I think I was an insomniac for a couple of years and I used to just spend all the nights in the dark room like by myself developing pictures and I loved it but I didn't study it or anything I sort of tried at a few points but I think I wasn't quite good enough I didn't have enough of a portfolio and I just was going the science route really yeah so I think I got a little bit lost when everyone sort of transitioned to digital really which was about when I was studying it was about when I was a teenager that started to come in but most people were still like if you were doing anything artistic or professional, most people were sticking to film. And then there was a bit of a transition. And I remember thinking, oh, this digital stuff, man, it's it's just rubbish. I hate it. I wasn't into it at all. I just loved the darkroom. I mean, as you can tell from uh, us trying to get on this call, I'm not a... <laughs> I like technology, <laughs> but I'm not that person that rushes out to buy the new thing. I'm the person, like, hanging on to the whatever gramophone until the last moment. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what I did, really. Um, I got lost for a couple of years, didn't really do any photography at all. And then I think my parents gave me a kind of entry-level Canon DSLR for like my I don't know, 21st, 22nd birthday or something. And I just started using it. And then I thought, oh, okay, this is so all right, actually. And I just carried on. And yeah, now here we are. That was a bit convoluted, sorry. <laughs> that was beautiful. Well, 
I just really like hearing about people and please don't take it as, again, me being like, I'm so much younger than you, but I really <laughs> like hearing about people that it's not just Instagram that was there in. And I think for yeah. young people nowadays, I think it's quite difficult almost to imagine. A hundred percent. And that's an in, isn't it? And often, uh, you know, that's a really interesting point. I guess I don't think like that really, because I am from that, you know, previous generation that, you know, we didn't have Instagram. So that wasn't my first introduction to photography. I learned about the masters of photography and I learned how to use a film camera and I learned how to use a darkroom and I learned about people like Edward Moybridge and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I think that's why it was so interesting. That's how I learned photography. I'd go and seek out books and learn about all these people, not just on Instagram. And that's no disrespect to, to Instagram. As in, but I think that there's a bit of a problem now where photographers learn to be a photographer. They learn visually on Instagram, what works on Instagram, and they struggle to unlearn that. And I've seen and heard that time and time and time again. And I'm sort of the opposite, that I've really struggled to like, not learn Instagram, but to create images that do well on Instagram, because it just goes against kind of what what I learned and what I wanted to create. But you know, and I suppose that's a good thing, really, because I haven't had to unlearn that stuff. But yeah, it was it was great. And you know, uh, you know, I don't want to harp on about the old days because I think there's so many amazing things about digital photography now. So many amazing things about the internet, about social media, about, you know, people like you and I connect. We have so many connections over Instagram. I think it's absolutely wonderful. And when I hear about teenagers now getting into photography or video making or anything, the resources they have at their fingertips is just unbelievable. You know, we didn't have that back then. But I think what we did have was an ability to go out completely unplugged for hours with a camera and figure it out. And I think, you know, younger people now are not afforded that in anything, really. You're either watched by people or you feel you have to document it or, you know, that's a, a big part of your business or whatever. And I think it's just wonderful when you get into anything, you know, getting into music and making mixtapes. And I'm so glad that I have that in my childhood because I think it, it holds such a great value for you, I think learning it that way yeah so I'm, I'm very grateful for for that and the hours I spent in the dark room and but now you know it's great I, I can run a business from a phone and being at home and, and that's great too I, I don't think there would be this many certainly not like women at home with kids running businesses and running creative businesses and I think that's particularly a group of people that the internet has helped massively yeah I'm very grateful for that yeah agreed I talked about it actually in the first season of the podcast but I have noticed that I took some time to become self-led when I was learning photography and falling in love with it because it had happened with Instagram or kind of comparisonitis but not exactly in that I was so used to seeing a certain kind of photography that I naturally felt that that was the style that I should be emulating almost rather yeah. than why don't I just be silly with my camera and see what happens and my yeah my mum said a couple of weeks ago she was like I've always loved your photography but she was like over the last like year or two years she was like I just feel like it's like transformed and I was like first of all mum thank you very much second of all I think it's because I started taking a photo every day and doing that really forced me to think not about okay, this perfectly styled shot will do well on Instagram. It was like, you have to take a photo today. You've already taken a photo of your bedside yesterday. What are you going to do to take a photo again that's going to be different? So I think that's perhaps something that, you know, a younger generation 
will I think they'll come round to it but it's not necessarily a given if Instagram is where you start it yeah and I see so many photographers when they're asked like oh what photographers do you admire they kind of just quote people that they know from Instagram and I think there is such a massive world out there of people and not just photographers but people to take inspiration from and that's not that you shouldn't take inspiration from people on Instagram at all I think I'm definitely not one to be snobby about anything like that I think that's an amazing place to be creative and to meet creative people but I also think that some people forget that photography didn't start and end with Instagram but you know the interesting thing is that if you've ever read Susan Sontag's on photography it's a great book you should definitely read it so she's writing that in the 70s I want to say and she's talking about how it's you know she's moaning about the kind of proliferation of all these kind of more accessible cameras I think that was roughly the time of like a lot of the sort of cheaper more accessible canons and things like that that really sort of made photography a lot more popular and accessible and how they're clogging up all of the beauty spots because they're all going there to get their must-see photo and I was like someone could have written that today you know and I think <laughs> that kind of thing just goes round and round doesn't it, it doesn't matter what medium doesn't matter what generation there's always going to be the the people who've been there before who suddenly complain about the fact that this, you know, art form has become very accessible by people. And I think that it's not one shouldn't be like looking down on the other. I think one needs to be talking to the other and figuring what they can learn, what can can older people a bit longer in the tooth learn from the younger people and what can the younger people learn from the older people and to realise that not one is necessarily better, but they each have their strengths you know and talking photography I think digital photography for sure has its strengths but it has its weaknesses as well and I think understanding where social media and all of that is good and where it's bad and where picking up a you know analog camera and retraining your brain in that respect is really good as well I think it strengthens your practice and I don't think it does anyone any good to be you know like oh you old folks or you young folks because it's you know it's not helpful really is it no, I'm one is right. totally with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're doing something that you love, then, you know, that's what counts. Okay. So my next question that I did definitely want to ask you about is that obviously I know how as far as you got to before you started your business, but I would love to hear about how it kind of officially, I'm doing some air quotes for anyone listening, officially started yeah, I because I know it's, it's never... <laughs> I know. I was doing air quotes because it's never official, I feel like, when you start a business. But I know also you're a mama as well. So just hearing about how your business has evolved since you started would be amazing. Yeah, so I can't remember the exact moment I started my business. It was definitely a couple of years before I had my first kid. So I was like, maybe like 27 or something. So I started a blog probably 12 years ago now what 2010 20 2009 somewhere then and I sort of started that with a it was just when blogs were becoming popular and I thought if I start a blog it will help me practice my writing practice my digital photography and then I'll have somewhere to share it and then hopefully it will keep me accountable and I'll keep sharing it I'll keep getting better so I remember that was the moment when I was like right I want to get good at this stuff and I want to be able to do it and I want to be able to share it and again that was pre-Instagram I think back then blogs were getting popular So I remember that moment when I started sort of taking it more seriously and I started getting known for somebody who wrote and someone who took pictures. And then from then on, I would generally take my pictures to very, take my camera to various different places, to my workplace or anything friends wanted to do. I remember when I photographed a friend's wedding, 
And then she was kind of really excited and was like, oh, you should go shoot them weddings. So I started doing a little bit of that. And this was probably, oh, maybe like my mid-20s, something like that, 25, 26. And I did the odd bit and I did a few little things for money, kind of made myself available to people that wanted to shoot for things, worked on loads of different things like actor headshots or, you know, what you'd now call things like personal branding, photography, portraits for bloggers and stuff. Most of it wasn't paid or I'd get, you know, 100 quid here, 100 quid there. But mostly it's kind of favours for people and practice for me. And then I think there was a point it was sort of staring down that barrel of being 30 when I thought, okay, I think it's time now to take this a bit more seriously. I don't want to be stuck in my job forever. So I think I just kind of started telling people that I was a photographer and started taking on some more jobs, doing it a bit more professionally, charging a little bit more money. But again, loads of things all over the place, still some weddings, anything and everything really, and a bit of money. And that enabled me to then buy a bit more kit. I, you know, I didn't have a plan really. I just did anything and everything. And that was then, there weren't the courses available that there are now. There weren't, there wasn't mentoring. There wasn't any of this stuff. I remember reaching out to some people that I admired and asking them some questions, but there was nothing. You couldn't go and hire a mentor. You couldn't go and do a course in anything about editing, shooting, just nothing that's available now. So really, I was just totally winging it on my own. And then I still have my full-time job at this point, but I worked from home so I could be a little bit more flexible and kind of duck out in the afternoon or I'd do things on the weekend and stuff. And then it was really, I think, when I got pregnant with my eldest, who's now five and a half, that I really thought, you know, this is now or never. Do I want to have a baby and then go back to this job that I don't love, but then have a kid in this job I don't love and then no time to pursue photography? So I really, that was when there were just starting to be some mentors available. So I hired one and I took it a little bit more seriously and, you know, got a proper website and really worked hard on it that year. I started photographing lots of families because that was, I had a baby and, um, you know, everyone around me was having babies. So I photographed a lot of them and uh, photographed some more kind of personal branding portrait stuff and just kind of kept going really. Uh, for most of the time, again, without a massive plan, I had, you know, a kid and now I've got two kids and I've always just had to work it around having the kids I've never had a massive amount of childcare so I've effectively sort of been a stay-at-home mum doing the the nap time hustle and just working while my kids are asleep and I feel like now actually I'm in a place where my youngest is just over two my parents moved um just before the pandemic um to very close to me so I finally have childcare I don't have babies I'm not having any more babies and actually I can really start to take my business seriously so it's really exciting because even though I have been in business solidly for maybe I don't know, five and a half years now, maybe probably five years, but I've been kind of doing it for money, maybe seven or eight years. I feel like this is really the first time that I've not had another job and I'm actually getting more time to work and to really build my business. And it's really exciting. It's taken me a long time. I told you it was a long road, Anna. (laughs) No, I love it. And I just love that even if you go to university, you're still going to have a unique perspective. But I really like because... I didn't go to university, I didn't, I did go to university, sorry, but I didn't study photography. I find it really sort of gratifying that there's not just one way to become a photographer. And I did go to university, but I didn't do any work at university. I got really good at juggling, playing pool, learned to play the banjo and made a lot of really good friends and, you know, various other things. I didn't really do any work. So, you know, you, you're not missing uh, much on the education side of things. I, you know, and I don't, I don't wish that I'd done the kind of artsy thing either. I think, 
there's a lot to be said for just learning and figuring it out by yourself really uh, it's definitely the way that I do most things so it takes me a bit longer but I feel like I get to learn a lot about what I don't want to do and the wrong ways to do things and I guess that there's merit in that for sure <laughs> <laughs> no definitely agree I think mistakes are the best teacher that you'll ever have for sure I know that nature plays a really big part in your photography and certainly yeah. when I think of your shoots and including every shoot you do so family and portraits and things I always notice when you've got some kind of element of nature incorporated. So I wanted to hear about how you work with the seasons and then about anything else that inspires your work. Cool, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I grew up in the countryside and moved out of London when I was six and a half and moved to very rural Devon where we kind of lived on a hill in the middle of nowhere. Had a fairly small bungalow, but, you know, an acre of land and lived among acres and acres of field and forest and rivers and everything and that was basically you know my playground we were not allowed to utter the words like I'm bored and we weren't really allowed to watch much tv so it was just whatever the weather go outside go out and play and that was kind of amazing to think that that was my playground growing up so I'm very 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 comfortable in you know the middle of absolutely nowhere it's kind of that's my home really to be honest and I moved out I sort of through circumstance, work and relationships and various other things, ended up spending more of my life in the city than I did the countryside. And I only moved out of London three years ago now, as yesterday, I think, to, I live in Hertfordshire now. And we live in a town, but we are two minutes away from beautiful countryside and I've got a garden and I just feel so at home here. When I was in London, I realised I just wasn't inspired I'd see these people inspired to shoot in all these places in the city and I just didn't want to shoot anywhere in the city and if I did I'd just go to the parks or as many kind of wild spaces as I could possibly find and I just realized that the city just was not a place that inspired me in in any way I found it quite stifling and I'm so glad that we don't live there anymore because I just feel inspired every single day for where I live I just come out in the morning and have my coffee and you know a little slightly hippie habits to like stroke the herbs in the morning and just you know the smell of like the mint and the sage and the rosemary it's just it's so like what's the word enlivening and healing and it's just you know we're, we're meant as human beings to have a connection with nature and I think so many of us do head to the cities and we even if we remember we have a connection with nature I think our bodies forget somehow and you just carry on with the day-to-day and you forget that you're supposed to have a connection with nature. And not saying you're supposed to live in a forest, but you're supposed to feel that oneness with nature. And I think it makes so many of us sick mentally, physically, because we've lost that. And just being here and just being able to breathe the fresh air and get outside. And I think I started to realise even though we live near the countryside, there are still so many people here who live in a town, they work in the city, and they don't take advantage of everything on their doorstep. I think after COVID that has changed for some people. A lot of people, I think it will revert back. But I started to notice that on my sessions, it wasn't just the photography that people would comment on. It was the fact that they got to have a walk and a chat in nature for a couple of hours, that their kids loved it. And a lot of the people that I work with, they are drawn to me because they do love the outdoors and they do take their kids outdoors. But some of them really aren't. And I don't, you know, insist on, I do shoot in home sometimes, but often people do want to get out and explore the outdoors. And I think that I realised, you know, it's not just me that this is healing for, this is healing for everybody. And so it's not just in the imagery that I want that connection with nature. It's in the actual, the session. I think I want people to feel that, 
from a, a photo session with me, they have got outdoors for two hours and they've had a nice chat and they felt empowered and they've had their pictures taken. And it's the whole experience that can be quite empowering and connecting for them. Yeah, so I think that's just what I hope. Uh, and I recently started doing some photo walks and photography is almost an aside to them, really. Like we're kind of using our cameras as a way to notice what's around us and look at the plants and learn about them. And I think I have a, quite a lot of people on them who, you know, are the more sort of city slickers moved from London, definitely don't get out into nature as standard. And it's so nice to see them like marveling at all these plants. And I don't know as much as I'd like to, but I'm starting to kind of be able to teach people because I have people on there that really know you know nothing aside from a nettle maybe they don't know anything else and it's so nice to have see other people connecting with nature in a different way and starting to understand what these plants are there for and what pollinates them and what lives in them and what eats them and what they can do for us and I think people do start to understand that we have that relationship with nature and it's not just that we can choose oh I'm going to go into nature but that we're part of it and having a garden and being able to go into nature and kind of work with it as well. And um, even though I might just be photographing in it, I think that's so I'd almost sort of call it like call it a tool of my job most of the time. And it's led me more down a path of wanting to photograph people that work with plants, wanting to photograph people that work in garden gardens. And, you know, just as I sort of really got into photography because I wanted to hang out with all the artists you know, now I kind of want to hang out with the artists and the gardeners. So I think that's sort of where my work goes is just the people I want to hang out with, really. It's just at all to be nosy and make friends. Some nice pictures along the way. Honestly, I have had so many things. So I've got a list of dream clients and I did notice that some of them were literally that I just wanted to know what the process involved. So I've worked with, I think, two yoga instructors. And I love yoga. So we're so, like, beautifully self-serving. That, um... And it's amazing working. I've worked with a few yoga instructors. They are so in command of their own bodies. It's quite wonderful to photograph them because some people you photograph, you know, in the nicest possible way, have zero connection with their own uh, physical form and space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the nicest way I can put it. And they are just fantastic. They've got so much command of every single part of their body that the way that they move is really so beautiful. Or even people, they might not be yoga teachers, but they practice yoga or practice something like that. They have so much control and the way they move, they're so conscious of it. And it's really very beautiful and nice to photograph. Very different to photographing people that don't have some sort of history with, you know, any kind of sport or dance or anything like that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, totally agreed. And I think that yoga instructors, I just love that we're talking about yoga, by the way, but I know that a lot of the ones that I've spoken to have this real respect for what their bodies can do. And I think that translates when you're a photographer, being able to work with someone that already feels at home in their body and that's what the camera can see. I think it's so, just so like beautiful to be able to document, whereas... For most of us, I think for me, when I'm taking portraits, and I'm sure you're very similar, that you're trying to get someone out of their head is most of the work that you're doing. And you can see the moment it happens. I love that moment. And everybody has that moment. I've yet to meet someone that doesn't have that moment that they start moving. And I'm like, oh, they're, they're kind of posing now and getting into it. And everybody does. And it's so nice to know that you can bring that out. But, you know, I think sad as humans and as women that we... We don't have that 
all of the time, you know, and that's the nature thing as well, isn't it? I think we, we do feel disconnected from our bodies. We feel disconnected to nature. And I think that forging those connections again, and I hope that the way that we are all raising children now is, is going back to that. But I think teaching us as human beings to have this connection and respect for our bodies and respect for nature, respect for the earth and the fact that it's all connected. I think that there are lots of cities that still people can live in the cities and feel quite connected to nature. And it's not just about having green space, is it? It's about green space and the environment being woven into like the fabric of the homes that we build and green energy and all of that stuff. And I think that is the future. It, it is sad that so many of us don't feel that connection with our bodies and that connection with nature. And I think that we should do that more. Are you ready to bring your brand photography to life this year? Whether you're a seasoned brand photographer looking to grow or just starting out in the field, I'd love to help. We can cover systems and strategies, getting featured in magazines, kits and gear and so much more. I offer just three one-to-one mentoring sessions monthly, so head to studiogently.com slash mentoring to learn more. Yeah, agree. More yoga in a field, basically. That's that's my advice. <laughs> um, I'm raising my arms in celebration because obviously I'm all for that. But just thinking kind of in general then as being a portrait photographer, because I think you are so beautiful with what you do. But Thank you. We've spoken a little bit about getting people kind of back into their bodies. What other things do you think about when you're at a portrait sheet? What else are you trying to like tease out of someone? Oh, goodness. I always use the analogy that it's like that duck, isn't it? You've got to appear like that duck smoothly going along the water when actually you're thinking, oh, my God, the light's over there. OK, this isn't working. Like, let's move over here. Oh, God, this has happened. And then to the client, you're going, OK, if we could just go over here. And like, you know, you're being so chill the whole time. And actually what's going on in your brain is just craziness. And sometimes you fully get in the flow, but other times you are just you're you know you're looking you're having a conversation and you're looking where are we going to shoot next what's the light doing where do we need to be going and yeah I think I'm thinking about just about everything and then I'm trying to remember did I already ask them that question or you know that's generally what's going on in my brain sometimes it's just beautiful and the light comes together and the client is great and normally that takes a little while to get into doesn't it you know often you could get to that place at the end of the shoot but the beginning you're definitely and if you do anything like mini sessions, I mean, your brain just does that constantly and it's very stressful. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing that's at the front of my mind is how much I want my clients to enjoy the experience and not just that, but feel empowered. It's not just about me getting the photos. It's about, and often, especially if it's families, you know, you're you're speaking to a woman that's just had a baby, maybe for the first time. She's navigating that. If it's a family, they're navigating that together. And I think that's the nice position that I'm in now because I have two kids. My eldest is five. My youngest is just over two. It means that I can kind of tell them like, hey, guys, this gets better and it gets easier. And sometimes you can diffuse arguments because you can tell them neither of you is right. Like this is the situation. And, you know, you can make them feel worthy and good about themselves. And I'm really always mindful of that to try and be that person that says, hey, you're doing a great job. You know, there's barely a mum that that I leave a shoot that I don't say that to them because I think you all get, we all get so stuck in our own heads 
about what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. And I think I'm definitely a person that embraces the kind of messiness of everything, as you saw from my tech adventure. You know, I'm cool <laughs> with that. Like we're human and I don't try to pretend to have it all together or be perfect. And I think I'm aware now that that can be a nice person to be in the presence of because you can just let your guard down. You don't have to be anything. And I think particularly when people rock up to a shoot and they think, oh, I have to be this or I have to be that. It's really nice just to say to them, like, I've got you, just be you. And I realise how many people message me afterwards and say, I love that. You know, I felt empowered and I enjoyed it and I felt good about myself. And I've had clients who've had, they realised they were going through postpartum depression and they felt so grateful that they had someone that could see that and, and hear them and listen to them and tell them it gets better and it gets easier. And that's always what I think. Just a human connection above everything is so important to me. And she shooting in nature as well, shooting in nature and that human connection. I want people to walk away from an interaction with me and feel good about themselves. And particularly, I want women to feel good and I want them to feel confident about how they are parenting and how they're getting through things. And, you know, I'll tell them every story of things that I've messed up. And I think it's nice to be around someone that will tell you that because a lot of people don't tell you that stuff. Yeah. yeah, and always just tell them, it's not just about telling them that they're beautiful, but about telling them that what they are doing is brilliant and who they are is brilliant. And I don't think that on a day-to-day basis, most of us, especially not women, hear that nearly enough. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I think what I like so much about a portrait shoot is that I do get to tell someone that they are beautiful. And I think... I really enjoy hearing you talk about your perspective as a mum, really feeding in, helping you approach a shoot in a really different way. So I'd love to hear you talk a bit more about how your working life has changed from now being a mum, kind of the before and after, because you were always, I've had a shoot with you before and you were always so grounding anyway I saw those pictures the other day actually and I loved them like the light was beautiful and you just looked so (laughs) lovely and I remember that was such a lovely time it was so sweet it was like I think we shot it was sometime in the winter but I just remember it being like the perfect kind of light for we had that really golden light and I definitely made you sit in some bushes and it was lovely yeah Yeah. (laughs) I yeah I came across them somehow and yeah made me smile yeah Oh, I'm so, they make me smile as well. They're still, I've got an album of them still. So yeah, so you were able to do that for me already and help me feel comfortable and feel genuine. But as a mum, do you feel that you've got a different approach now from before? hundred percent. Got to get shit done, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's my approach. Just get it done. Like you can't spend hours thinking about things. You've just got to get it done. I mean, my partner, he manages a supermarket. And he said his best staff are the mums because they deal with toddlers all day. So they just don't take any falls and any nonsense from anyone. They can multitask and they just get stuff done. And I think that's really what I've learned. You have to plan because you have these tiny blocks of time, sometimes infinitely small blocks of time. Like you were like, I just need to send one email you know, just watch Peppa Pig for five minutes and you send one email. Gone are the days that I can work from nine till six or be a workaholic or be any of those things. That's just not possible now. I have to try to run a business, an effective and organized business with very small amounts of time. And you have to be extremely well planned so that every time you sit down at the desk, you know exactly what you're doing, 
who you're sending emails to, you know, I can't keep clients' information on three different spreadsheets and everything else. I have got to pay for the studio management system and, you know, send the automated emails. I have to run a fairly tight ship because otherwise I can't get anything done and I'm, you know, forget things and which of course happens too, but I try really hard um, to be as organized as possible. So that's, I think, the main thing that's changed. And yeah, I guess, well, like I was saying, the way that I see women differently and the way that I see mums for sure, because I understand exactly what that mum feels about her body. I understand everything she says about when she's just had a baby, because I've been there twice and I know how that feels. So not saying that you can't empathize with that at all if you haven't had a baby, but obviously if you have had a baby, that experience is so visceral to you. So that has really changed for me. Um, there are plenty of very good family photographers that have not had kids, um, so you don't need yeah, that at course, all. But it, that, in terms of relating, I would say that's even more of a strength in me in terms of working with the kids. It's about the connection with the mother that I think I have. But yeah, just being organized, getting things done, learning how to work in small blocks of time. And learning also just not to sweat the small things and to embrace the things that get left undone because there are a lot of things that get left undone and that's okay. I have to kind of focus on the big things and move things forward and I can't spend, you know, two days faffing with something that isn't important because I just don't have time for that. And I think that will change again when I have two kids in school, but I think anyone with kids under five at home, that's just the reality. And I have learned in the beginning I found it really hard to not be able to get to finish things and to not have enough time to work but I've got to see now after five and a half years that this is such a fleeting beautiful completely messy period of my life that I'm so grateful to have and I've learned to be so much more grateful of the things that I do have and think oh do you know what I'm so lucky that I can just sack off that email and go and hug my kids or you know, now like I can hop on this call and then I can go and eat ice cream in the garden with the kids. I'm so grateful for that. And I see it as such a beautiful life. That is such a privilege that I get to make that choice. And it's okay. The things that I leave undone probably don't need to be done. I've learned a lot of that to let go, to surrender a little bit and yeah, see the beauty and the chaos that is life now instead of waiting for that moment when it isn't chaotic anymore, because it's that doesn't that moment doesn't arrive and if it does you're really old and your kids have left home and you're sad about it so that's what I try to remember every day (laughs) well I just love hearing you talk about the superpowers of motherhood that's kind of what I took from you talking like we're so used to hearing about mums being part-time and being on maternity leave like the patriarchy doesn't like that but hearing like your partner say that actually those mums are the best in the store like the best employees in the store and that you've got all of these skills from motherhood I think is really beautiful I don't think we talk about it enough so no we definitely don't I had a podcast this morning actually where the woman said oh I keep trying to get through a podcast without saying the word patriarchy and I can't I can't (laughs) yet do it every time my partner comes home and says oh I just don't understand why like women aren't doing this I'm like do you know why that is because what I'm like that's the patriarchy (laughs) Literally, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think women are underappreciated and women of all ages, I think. Younger women are appreciated for all of the wrong reasons and older women are not appreciated enough for all of the other things that they can bring. I think, you know, 
the patriarchy likes to put women in these boxes. You know, young women do this. They're suitable for these roles in life. Mothers do this and they're suitable for these roles. And, you know, and that's something that I have in my mind, you you know, with my photography as well, going off on a tangent. Please go for it. (laughs) Is that I'm aware that particularly with the family photography, I have found myself in a niche that is almost completely dominated by women and very dominated by mothers. Uh, There's lots of reasons for that because I think it's a a job that's easy to fit into the time that we have. But that's definitely making me more conscious that as my career progresses, that I would actually like to find myself in more areas where there are more men and not keep myself in this bubble of just women. Um, I think being around women is just so wonderful and just so easy to stay in. But I don't think that that helps the industry that much. The gatekeepers, I'm sure you've seen those statistics of the percentage of women that graduate from photography courses versus the percentage of women that are actually in uh, commercial work, for example. There's I think it's less than five or 10 percent of women are in the commercial field. And I think these men get to be the gatekeepers. And I am so saddened. I go on photography website after photography website And they're like, oh, look, we have all these courses and we have all these speakers. And it is men after men after men, typically white men. That is changing a little bit, but it is mostly white men, young white men. And I think, where is the range of voices in what you're doing? And there's definitely some flock is one that comes to mind that is very diverse. That is just for women, I think, isn't it? I think their offering is really amazing and very diverse but so many of them are just not in any way or it's something that is then just for women you know for women to get heard it feels like they have to go into these spheres where there are just women and I think that I am now in that and I'm looking forward to the next 10 20 years and I think I definitely feel the need to go and you know some elbow room for for women and it sounds like fun to go and kind of elbow a few men out of the way and tell them that they're not the gatekeepers and they don't know everything so that's something I'd really like to do um in like the later part of my career I guess um yeah I love especially because I think Sarah Tasker does a really good talk does a really good job of talking about it but we need wealthy women wealthy women are really important we need women in spaces where we have influence and income that means industries and then cultures can change and that goes to what you and you said you and I still were talking about about making sure we charge our worth because too often we want to help and we see ourselves as like oh we can't charge money because we're not helping that person and it's just it it doesn't help anybody you know we just end up getting walked all over and money is where the where the power is 100% and I think we keep ourselves out no, correction, the patriarchy keeps ourselves out, but we don't help that. We have to take the reins and say we need to get... I mean, last year, I think I read Ramit Sethi's book, I think it's called I Will Make You Rich, which is a bit of a clickbait title to basically, I will help you sort out your finances. And it was so interesting to hear him talk about investing and about all of this stuff. And it really made me realise how much I'd been brushing off understanding money because all oh, that's and my partner is he he worked in finance so he is like the maths guy he understands all this stuff and I always just say oh that's not my area like I don't understand I mean I manage our money but I don't understand investing and all of this stuff and up until last year I didn't have a pension I didn't have any of these things and it really made me sort that out I started to see the figures on the kind of money that women retire with versus the kind of money that men retire with and think it's just this is crazy like we are keeping ourselves in this position and us not educating ourselves about finance is 
is not helping. That's the first step, really. If we can get educated and we can understand how to charge properly, how to invest our money, how to save it, how to spend it, and actually how to get ourselves ahead and have some kind of financial power, that's for sure going to help us. So I agree with you 100% on that. I love that. I love that. And us just realizing we're not stupid. I think it ties into that narrative of, you know, there's certain things that women are capable of and many things that we're not meant to be. I have one last question for you. And it's one that I've said that I want to ask everyone because I, again, selfishly know that I'll learn a lot. But what is one piece of advice that you wish every beginner photographer knew? Okay, I'm going to try and keep it to just one. Number one, get a mentor. Get a mentor. They're everywhere. Get a mentor, whether it is a program for photographers or it is someone that you really admire that you're doing an unofficial thing or it's someone that you pay. Whatever happens, get a mentor because that will help you more than anything else. Don't be afraid to reach out to somebody that you admire and ask them because it's not just about that person's knowledge about business, but you are tapping into that person's vision, that person's heart. I think that is the number one thing. That If I could go all the way back, I would do that. You know, get a mentor and listen to them. And that I will do too, sorry. Please go The second it. one would be have a plan. Have a plan and like look at it a lot plan for the next week for the next 90 days one of the best things that I've done is plan look at your career look at yourself at 80 90 what do you want to leave behind really drill down to who you are and what your legacy is going to be because you can't know where you're you know you can't know what your what direction you're going to go in if you don't know what the final place is going to be and that's not to saying you will end up in that exact place but more like how do you want your life to feel what is it you want to have done how do you want to make people feel and then work it backwards you know get your 10-year plan your three-year plan your one-year plan and start to push yourself into some kind of a trajectory and then assess that regularly because that's one of the best things I've learned I think is really how to plan effectively and that if you plan for the next 90 days and that that 90 day stint adds up to what you want to achieve in a year that then adds up to what you want to achieve in three years you know, you can do a whole lot in three to five years from working on little things every single day. Mm. That is, has just been completely revolutionary to me. You don't have to do the huge thing today. And in fact, it rarely ever is the huge things that really change your life. It's those little things you do every day and having some kind of a plan it helps you to get there. I love that. I love both of them so much. So I'm very glad you did share too, because I was sneakily hoping you would. <laughs> I'm just glad I can think of two. <laughs> Thank you so much, my love. It Thanks, has been Hannah. really wonderful getting to speak to you. You too. Loved it. Yeah, especially because I know how busy you are, so I feel very, very privileged. I know, but you know, I will send you a picture after. But I'm so jammy now because I have my parents. I didn't used to have this much help, and now I have so much help. They've been working in my garden today, kind of doing more work than I have. And my dad's almost seventy but fitter than most 40 year olds and they're outside (laughs) with the kids are having an ice cream so you know I'm actually at the point where it is complete luxury to get to sit down and drink a coffee and chat to my friend uninterrupted for (laughs) an hour it's um very restorative so thank you oh I'm so glad well all of your details will be in the show notes so that everyone can find you but thank you again and we'll catch up soon thanks loved it Okay, bye. Bye. And there you have it. 
If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe for more and leave a review on your fave podcast platform so that more people can discover Let's Shoot Together. You can share this episode with the hashtag Let's Shoot Together and tag me on at Studio Gently so that I can repost you. You will find the links to Siobhan's work in the show notes, so do head over and check her out. And thank you so much for joining me, Siobhan. I really enjoyed listening to this back. I hope you're ready for a fun solo episode next week and that you have good things ahead of you, wherever and whenever you are. Take care and let's go shoot together.